Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Way down in Missouri, where I heard this melody. When I was a little fellow on my mammy's knee, the old folks were humming, banjos were strumming, so sweet and low. You can accept it or be stupid and be a skeptic. Unconceivable, unbelievable. <laughs> Unidentified flying objects. I want to Welcome to the I Wanna Believe podcast. I'm Nomar Slovic, Piedmont, Missouri. What in the hell happened there in 1973? I'll tell you in a sec. But first, a quick reminder that all of our I Wanna Believe social media and email are in the show notes. You can watch my documentary, Otherworldly Amor, on Amazon Prime right now. DVDs are available. Also, I have a new book that we are trying to get funded for self-publishing. It is called Granite Skies, A Disconcerted Journey Through the Unknown. A GoFundMe link for that book and everything else is in the show notes. All right, let's talk about the Piedmont UFO sightings. 1973. The year began with news that the Watergate trials had started, and throughout the year, more news poured in. Along with historical news came various UFO sightings that marked the beginning of a UFO flap. In ufology, a flap is defined as a period of increased UFO activity. Multiple sightings were reported in 1973, culminating with major historical encounters by the fall of the year. 1973 would come to be known as a major year for UFO activity. 1973 was, was so active. People have seen objects fly out of the water and zip around. I look up and there's something there. Lights around the red light came on. She claims that a craft landed. I did not just see that. Do you think we're being studied? Oh, I guarantee it. In a heavily forested section of Wayne County between two giant man-made lakes in the eastern Ozarks lies Piedmont, with a population of approximately 1,500. The region is rich in both natural beauty and lead deposits, but is not known for much else. Certainly, its friendly but skeptical inhabitants were unprepared for the reported UFO invasion that occurred and for the international attention that followed in its wake. 
High school basketball coach Reggie Bone was no believer in UFOs, at least not before the night of February 21, 1973, when he, two team managers, and three players were returning home along US Highway 60 near Elsinore, Missouri, which is about 20 miles south of Piedmont. They were in poor spirits after losing a crucial tournament game by seven points and were rehashing their defeat. Suddenly, Bone, who was driving, noticed a, quote, bright shaft of light beaming down out of the sky. A few miles later, as the car passed through the Brushy Creek area, player Randall Holmes noticed something else. He shouted, look, there's that thing we saw back on Highway 60. Bone pulled over to the side of the road and the six piled out. It looked like it was about 200 yards off the road, hovering over an open field. The six witnesses claimed to have seen four lights that looked like windows, red, green, amber, and white. They figured that they were about three or four feet apart, all in a row. Carrie Banks, one of the witnesses, stated, We just stood there and watched it for about ten minutes. Then, all of a sudden, the lights went directly up in the air with absolutely no noise and just disappeared over a hill. About a half hour later, someone else witnessed the object, a Mrs. Edith Boatwright of nearby Mill Spring. She saw the same or similar object flying low near her farmhouse. She stated, It was about 10 p.m. I was lying on my bed. I wasn't asleep when I saw a flashing light. We live close by the highway, so I thought something had happened on the road. I got out of bed quickly and looked over the lower part of the curtain, and I could see very plainly a craft just clearing the utility wires. It was in a horizontal position. I think there were people in it. I could see objects inside, but could not make out any form of a person. It made a very quiet noise, like a whoosh, slowly and evenly. When it changed into a vertical position, it made a louder noise, like a quiet motor pulling. Mrs. Boatwright also stated that the object had, quote, some rotary-like blades in front where an umbrella-like part extended up. It was about 30 or more feet long, very beautiful light-colored body with a darker tail. There were no lights on in our house at the time. I watched it for about one or two minutes. It was about 200 or 250 yards from my window, flying below the oak treetops. At first, Mrs. Boatwright thought the object was some kind of nuclear-powered helicopter, but changed her mind in the next few days when she heard about the flood of UFO sightings. It is worth noting, however, that the whooshing sound Mrs. Boatwright reported was not heard by other southeastern Missouri UFO witnesses. Conceivably, helicopter blades could have made that sound, and an investigator who interviewed the witnesses believe it is at least possible that the object Boatwright saw was a military aircraft dispatched to look at the area for Bones UFO. Interesting. In the following two months, the Boatwrights farm was to play host to other UFOs, including one that apparently landed on a hill behind the house. On February 22, the night after the original Bone Boatwright sightings, Roy and Beth Birch and passenger Mrs. Kathy Keith were driving in the Brushy Creek area and spotted an object that was blinking green, white, 
amber and red. Birch tried to chase the UFO along the highway. His wife stated, quote, Roy started speeding up to get a close look at it. Mrs. Keith added, quote, he was doing about 70 miles an hour, but we still lost it. We got to the creek area and there were some other Piedmont people standing on the road looking at it. One of them, Bob Smith, had binoculars focused on the UFO, but he could not make out any shape. The lights were visible for 10 minutes longer and then sank over a hill. Four nights later, on the 26th, Pat, Tony, and Will Freeman watched a luminous object moving over the trees near the tip-top mountains. The UFO was about 500 yards away, and they described it as a solid with prongs on it. By far, the great majority of sightings in the Piedmont Brushy Creek Mill Spring area were the kind ufologists call nocturnal lights. Brilliant flashing lights far enough away that witnesses cannot discern their source. From February 21 into late April, sightings occurred almost nightly. The Piedmont police received over 500 reports and UFO researchers interviewed over 200 witnesses. Another witness, Earl Turnbow, had a unique experience. He witnessed three unusually vivid sightings of more than just lights. His first encounter took place at around 9 p.m. about the 1st of March. Turnbow had just passed over a hill on Highway 49 when he spotted something lit up like a circus hovering over the road in front of him. The lights went out within seconds and presumably the object escaped into the darkness. Two weeks later on March 14, as Turnbow drove through the same area in a thunderstorm, he saw an amber light hovering 30 feet above a field less than 200 yards away from him. He stated, quote, I slowed down and watched for five or ten minutes. When the lightning flashed, I could see a dome shape with some sort of antenna on top. This amber light was shining from the antenna. All the other lights were off. I would say the thing was between 15 and 20 feet in diameter. It wasn't making any noise at all. He saw a UFO for the third time a week later. He said, quote, I was feeding cattle at the farm just about dark when I saw this thing come down over Brushy Creek. It was about a thousand feet in the air and shaped like a top. I couldn't tell if it was rotating or if the lights were just flashing. The lights were yellow, green, and red. They could have been windows for all I know. The object sailed over the farm and didn't make a sound. On the same night as Turnbow's second sighting, Mrs. Ma Jeffress, a photography teacher at Piedmont's Clearwater High School, took a series of pictures of a small reddish ball high in the air. She spotted the object around 11 o'clock and took a 10-minute time exposure, which unfortunately shows little more than just a dot in the sky. As a professional photographer, she said, I cannot explain the object. It is not a lens flare or light reflection. Mrs. Jeffress is referring to a theory proposed by Dr. J. Allen Hynek. He arrived in Piedmont on March 31, talked briefly with eight witnesses, and left 24 hours later. After he left, Mrs. Jeffress pointed out that her camera lens was coded to prevent flares. I didn't know that was a thing, but I'm an idiot, so who knows, right? Uh, and if Kyle were here, he'd probably say something like, you are an idiot, thank you for mentioning that. <laughs> uh, he's currently in isolation like the rest of us, and i just like to say, be well, my friend, you are missed. Anyway, 
Let's go on. Another witness, Carl Laxton, saw an object shaped like a barrel with protrusion-like arms sticking out of it. He stated, quote, The only way I could see the shape of this thing was when the object seemed to tilt. A brilliant white light appeared to go behind it. The object was tilting from a vertical to a horizontal position and then back to a vertical position again. Then it moved straight up and disappeared into the night sky. Seven days later, on March 21, Mrs. Jean Coleman and Mrs. Kathy Leach were crossing the Clearwater Dam at around 9 p.m. when they saw an object rise out of the lake. Theirs is one of the most spectacular sightings reported. They were first alerted by a red flash on the lake. Stopping their car, they got out to see blinking lights ascending. Each time a red light flashed, the object got brighter. Mrs. Coleman stated, quote, We could see it climbing. It looked like the lights were red, white, and yellow. There was no sound. We tried to make out the shape, but each time the lights went out, we could see nothing. We watched it for four or five minutes until it circled out of sight. On March 22, a Piedmont news reporter, Dennis Kenny, of local radio station KPWB, saw a, quote, big orange light glowing from white to orange. It appeared to just go out when they would come back on. Gary Sutton, a witness who was with him, snapped eight pictures of it with a 35mm Petri camera loaded with black and white infrared film. These photographs show a ball-shaped object with a bright glowing band across its midsection. This sighting took place at 7.30pm. Three hours earlier, at 4.30, a UFO had made a rare daytime appearance. Joe King of Mill Spring and Ron Miller of Piedmont, both students at Southeast Missouri State University, were traveling along Highway 34 when they noticed an oval-shaped object above the nearby treetops. The UFO, metallic in appearance, flat on the bottom with a dome on top, was moving rapidly and leaving no vapor trail. On Friday, March 23, Leonard Adams and his 13-year-old daughter, Alma, encountered a, quote, high-intensity bright white light. This was at 7.10 p.m. It blinked on and off, and every time it blinked, it shot up 10 feet. When it got about 300 to 500 feet in the air, red and green lights came on, and then the object flew horizontally. During the entire month of April, a Patterson Farm family heard a high-pitched drilling sound around 10 o'clock every night. They said that it was sometimes so loud that it shook their house, and they were typically too frightened to go outside at night. Now, this next one might be the single most important UFO sighting of the whole Piedmont affair. It occurred on April 3rd, in the daylight. It involved a landing of sorts and provided some physical evidence. Mrs. Raymond Stucker was traveling down Highway 60 at about noon and saw, quote, this thing in the air off to the side of the road. It looked like something I never saw before. It was round, with the exception of a dome on top. Three, one on top of the other. This means the object had three pyramiding domes on top, each one smaller than the one below it. It appeared to have a dull band or something going around the center. The bottom had something like a tripod landing gear. The object was hovering just above treetop level off to the right of the road. There is a possibility that it came up from the ground and stopped right above the trees. She said the UFO was silent and appeared to be made of aluminum. 
Two days later, Mrs. Stucker led UFO researchers to the area where they found trees in a 35-foot circle turned counterclockwise with some of their tips broken off. Geiger counters failed to pick up any unusual radiation, however, but they did find a mysterious ash near the tops of the trees, although there was no evidence the trees had been burned. Now we're going full circle. Remember Reggie Bone from the first sighting I talked about? Well, he had a previous encounter before all the Piedmont sightings. It happened two years earlier in 1971, around the holidays. It is reported that they were driving down a little traveled road in a deserted section of the Brushy Creek area. The time was around 2 a.m. Bone stated, quote, we saw this fellow walking up the road towards us in a frogman's outfit. He was wearing flippers or something resembling them on his feet, and he was carrying something in his hands. We couldn't see very well, visibility was poor, so we couldn't see his face, but his body was completely covered. The suit didn't look wet. Black River is about a quarter mile away from the road, but it's rather inaccessible from the point where we ran into this figure. The temperature was well below freezing, and I don't know of anyone who lives in that area. We were so taken aback that nobody even said anything for several miles. Finally, somebody asked, did you see that? Okay, so we've covered a lot uh, with these Piedmont sightings. So if, if I were to put a bow on all of these encounters, the news reporter mentioned earlier provided a poignant statement that I feel wraps everything up perfectly. He said, I don't know what we're seeing, but I do know we're seeing something. It's not swamp gas, and it's not satellites either. On the other hand, I can't say they're aliens. I'm just a newsman, not a scientist. All I'll say is this. This is some kind of aerial phenomenon. It's simply unexplainable. From the reading I've done lately, I guess that these things have always been around, and no one anywhere has ever been able to explain them. In my opinion, that exact statement could still be made today, over 46 years later. I guess it actually goes to show us that not much has really changed with the UFO phenomena. We're still at a loss for a true explanation. I'll keep looking up. I hope you do too. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Nomar Slavik. Customize your Master of Divinity with Fuller's new MDiv concentrations. Strengthen your ability to use and interpret scripture in various contexts while learning from Fuller's world-class faculty. Our new Biblical Studies concentration allows you to focus on courses that align with your calling, such as critical issues in Matthew. Visit fuller.edu slash biblical studies concentration to learn more. Find a moment of calm at Classical WETA 90.9 FM. 
available to stream now at classicalweta.org or on the Classical WETA app.